Welcome to the Gloria Purvis podcast, where we talk about the issues in the Catholic Church and in society that matter to you and to me. And I'm so glad you're here to have that conversation with me. My guest today is Father Sam Sawyer. He's a Jesuit priest and a senior editor at America Media. If you've been following the news recently, you'll know there's a really interesting or perhaps infuriating debate going on around COVID-19 vaccinations and vaccine mandates. Some organizations and institutions are mandating vaccinations, but some Catholics, including a handful of bishops, are saying that people are entitled to exemptions on religious grounds. Sam wrote an article in America recently called Catholic Bishops Must Not Turn Vaccines into a Culture War Issue. And so I wanted to talk with Father Sam because I wanted him to help us detangle, if you will, our understanding about vaccines. Like, what has the church actually said about vaccines? What is the appropriate orientation to this issue? How should we understand it? What is religious liberty as we understand it as Catholics? What is freedom? All of these questions come into play when we talk about vaccines, mandates, and especially also the common good. That should be central to all of these conversations. So what does that look like? What does that mean? How should we think about it? What is a properly formed conscience? Are we ever completely free from considering our neighbor? And boy, there is a culture war raging right now within the church. And we need to examine how can we not fall prey to this? How can we not end up being divided in the church about loving our neighbors? about the common good, about freedom? How can we incorporate the fullness of the moral tradition of our church? We need to get back to that and not slice it and dice it in ways that favor certain political talking points or things like that. How can we get back to the essence of Catholicism? This is a very important issue, and it does get technical at times. Our discussion gets technical at times, but Father Sam is able to explain these technical issues in a very accessible way. So get ready to listen to this deeply engaging and nuanced conversation that involves our moral tradition as Catholics. As you know, I'm doing this podcast with America Media where real, honest conversations are happening around the most important issues at the intersection of the church and the world, like this conversation you're about to hear with Father Sam on vaccines and the culture wars. America is committed to helping you navigate these complex issues where there are many different opinions and also real consequences for our lives and for the common good. And the best way to access all of our content and to support conversations like this is to get a digital subscription to America. Go to americamagazine.org slash subscribe and sign up today. The link is in the show notes. Stick around. My conversation with Father Sam Sawyer is up next. My guest today is Father Sam Sawyer. He's a Jesuit priest and a senior editor at America Media. 
And while I'm remote in D.C., he's in the studio in the city that never sleeps. That's where America's headquarters is, New York City. One day we'll have to meet there. What do you say, Father? I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> but it's really great to see you by video and be here on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I, look, I'm so excited to talk to you. And I think you could really help us detangle a lot of muddled thinking around vaccines, the culture war, how we as Catholics morally reason about issues. And, you know, the context of this conversation really, it seems like we're revisiting conversations that happened in March of this year around are vaccines morally okay to use? Now people have jumped in and wanted are requesting religious exemptions from a vaccine. And so I think it's helpful for people to understand what came out of the Vatican about vaccines. Just if you can bottom line it, what did they say? What did church say about vaccines? Sure. So what the Vatican has said now, and specifically about the COVID vaccines, Mm -hmm. I think we're on like the sixth or seventh time of the Vatican saying this at this point. (laughs) The Vatican has said these vaccines are morally acceptable. And then it's gone on to say, and especially in the situation of a pandemic where so many people's health and lives are under threat from this COVID-19 disease, vaccines are not only morally acceptable, they're also a moral duty through mm-hmm. the common good. So we haven't officially taught that, you know, it's sinful to not get a vaccine, but we've right. given the strongest possible encouragement from the Vatican. Both like the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith has spoken on officially saying that these vaccines are morally acceptable. Right. And so also Pope Francis has not only said the vaccines are morally acceptable, but he's continued to talk about them as an act of love and yeah. a way of observing the common good. In fact, he, along with a bunch of cardinals and bishops from North, South, and Central America, have just released a public service announcement a few days ago oh, yeah. encouraging mm-hmm. vaccination, which was wonderful to see. I think so too. Uh, you know, People, though, seem to still be confused about this because of abortions that are somewhere historically in the background, abortions that were, I guess, procured decades ago. The fetal cells were either used in production or test something related to these vaccines. So people think that then makes them unacceptable, and that alone makes them unacceptable, and there's no other reasoning around how we could or why we could use it. Could you help clarify that a little bit? Sure. I think it's actually helpful to take a a half step back here because this is not something that's unique to the COVID vaccines. True. This is an issue with a lot of different vaccines, which is why the CDF has addressed it far before we were in the situation of this pandemic. And it's also not just an issue about vaccines. This also comes up in some other realms of medical testing. And it even comes up with some, you know, sort of consumer products that are far less important than vaccines. But still, these cell lines have been used to test them. So the background here is that, unfortunately, and we should say immorally, unjustly, cells from aborted fetuses were used often decades ago and Some of these cells they found when they started working on them and experimenting with them could be kept in culture and they would stay alive in cell culture for decades after. And precisely because they are human cells, precisely because unborn human children, you know, these aborted fetuses are members of the human family. Yes. They turn out to be very useful for testing how different vaccines and other medical interventions work in human beings. Right. And it's this is a situation that the church would say is immoral. But what we've ended up with is a situation where some of these cell lines that were derived decades ago 
and some more recently, although they're not involved in the vaccines. But these cell lines are in use for, in some cases, for testing as vaccines and other drugs are developed. And in other cases, in a couple of the vaccines, they're in use to help actually produce the vaccine itself. But what's not happening, and this is equally important to say, is it's not like there are ongoing abortions in specific support of producing vaccines. Right. What there are is in the background, there's an immoral act of the abortion. Then some scientists who were not directly involved in the abortion themselves took cells and cultured those cells and experimented with them. And now what happens? So the actual, you know, the moral act that's going on more immediately in the background of these vaccines is a scientist working in a lab will order some of these cells from a biomedical supply company and then use them in lab work. So in the case of the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, these cell lines were just involved in testing. They're not involved in any way in ongoing production. In the case of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, one of these cell lines is also involved in the production process for the vaccine. Right, because when you say there are other vaccines, I was thinking of varicella, rubella, hepatitis A. All of them were made by growing the viruses in fetal cells obtained from elective abortions. I believe these specifically came from two elective abortions from the 1960s. So it, it seems like the intent of the people making the vaccines wasn't to, you know, uh, spur an abortion. They were focused on something else, plus the distance, I think, time between them and then the actors in between and steps between that person who chose an abortion in the 60s and then the creation of these vaccines makes it not the same kind of thing as procuring an abortion directly. But we haven't, at least in my mind, maybe it's age, I don't remember there being an outcry from getting, particularly rubella, because that's in the MMR mm-hmm. uh, vaccination that so many of us get for our babies, you know, <laughs> you know, when we get our kids vaccinated. And well, so I don't remember this kind of pearl clutching, I guess, about that vaccine. Yeah. So, and rubella is a big one because, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's a very dangerous disease. It's a disease that at least in the developed world has largely been stamped out by near universal vaccination, thanks be to God. Mm -hmm. But it's also one of these vaccines for which we don't have an alternative vaccine that doesn't have some involvement of a cell line derived from abortion. We've just got the one. And so that vaccine is actually one of the reasons that the CDF issued guidance on this back in the mid-90s, because this question came up, you know, is this rubella vaccine acceptable? Because it was the only one we had, and it was the only way to protect people from this very dangerous disease. So that kind of thinking, though, to, to reason through it, I think has been lost because of the culture war. Yeah. Um, and you talk about this, uh, re- the conversation about religious exemptions becoming a part of the culture war. What do you mean by that? What do you mean by a culture war in a Catholic church? So what I mean by that is, so the culture war is something, I mean, you can give it lots of different definitions, but the way that nearly any issue, particularly any issue of morality in Mm -hmm. our social conversation, in our political conversation, gets immediately turned into there's one side, there's the other side, and whatever else happens, you absolutely have to pick a side. Anyone from the other side is dangerous and your enemy, and you have to prove that they're wrong pretty much instantly. And I think one of the saddest things we've seen in the pandemic is that 
this issue that absolutely affects all of us, you know, like you go out and you're around other people and you're affected by the pandemic and it doesn't care whether you're a Democrat or Republican or Catholic or Baptist or Mm -hmm. atheist or whatever, right? We are literally all in this together by virtue of being human. Right. And yet we end up with the arguments over masking, the arguments over social distancing and lockdowns, the arguments over vaccines all somehow seem to break down basically along political and often along partisan lines. And increasingly, at least what I see, is the people who are arguing about this, I don't even know if they really disagree on the merits anymore as much as they just see someone on the other side and find a reason to attack. And so my concern here is that even though there is a valid but very complicated and nuanced moral concern about these vaccines from the perspective of the Catholic Church because of their very remote connection to abortion. Mm -hmm. Even though that's a valid concern, my issue is that I think that this concern is being weaponized and the church, when it speaks on this concern, runs the risk of being used as another battle line in the culture war to get people angry about this, to make people not trust public health authorities, to make people not trust people on the other side and instead think that they're just immoral monsters out to do something terrible. And I also think there seems to be a sort of scrupulosity Mm -hmm. that comes into play around having this sort of perfect, I'm not going to stain myself with X, Y, and Z, while altogether removing themselves from thinking about how do I love my neighbor in this situation. And also the mercy involved in trying to keep people safe and not infect your family, things like that. And I was like, mercy knows no law but love, is what I keep thinking. And so where's the love (laughs) love in this? I've heard people say things like, this impacts my individual freedom unfairly when they talk about masks, when they talk about social distancing. We won't even get into the lockdowns, Mm -hmm. um, the the economic... I, I saw people put money above the health and well-being of their neighbors, people who know better. People who would then turn around and argue to a mother, you know, don't have this abortion, even though, quite frankly, because I'm heavily worked in the pro-life area and work with women who are in difficult, if not almost impossible situations, and we're talking to them about choosing life and having them embrace the fact that, yes, you're going to be living in poverty and it's going to be a hard life, but it's your child's life and, and, and we will accompany you and try to ease all these difficulties. People who normally would say that to a woman, like basically like, yes, embrace that poverty. When it came to they themselves maybe having to face that same poverty because of the lockdowns, and it really not even the same poverty, but you know what I mean? Just the idea was like, oh no, this is wrong. Blah, blah, blah. And I thought, what are we doing? And, and that's why I think we have uh, jettisoned our Catholic moral reasoning. We've jettisoned being able to or wanting to have the nuanced conversations and let love be our guide? So I'll say when I encountered this news, both so back in March, there were some bishops who spoke up saying, if you decide to get the vaccines, get Moderna or Pfizer and not Johnson & Johnson, because Johnson & Johnson is worse with respect to connection to (laughs) abortion. Or now when we have some bishops speaking up and saying, here's how you can be religiously exempted from a vaccine mandate. 
there are really there are two features of those interventions that really give me pause and mm-hmm. strike me where I see that this is a place where the culture war is getting out ahead of the Catholic tradition, I think. Okay. And so those two places are, first, there's a very rich Catholic vocabulary of how to talk about moral nuance and levels of cooperation. Right. And so the the term of art here is what's going on in the vaccine's connection to these cell lines from abortions is -hmm. what's known as remote material cooperation. And in fact, even very remote material cooperation because we're Mm -hmm. so far now from the original immoral act. And that kind of remote material cooperation with an evil act is permissible in the presence of proportionate benefit, and particularly when there aren't other options to achieve a necessary good. Mm -hmm. And that's the situation we're in in the pandemic. So I know that somebody's listening saying, what does he mean? (laughs) They might get remote, okay, that it's a distance between from the original act that we would say is evil. But what does material cooperation mean? Sure. So material cooperation means that we're sharing in some way in what happened, but we're not intending the same results, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. intending the same results would be what's known as formal cooperation with evil. And so that would be, for instance, if someone had gone and said, we want this abortion to happen so that we can get the cell line, so that we can use it for a vaccine, then right. we'd be talking about formal cooperation with evil. That's right. not what happened. What happened is the abortion happened. That was an evil act. Cooperating with that to achieve the end of the abortion, totally immoral. No way that can be justified. Mm -hmm. But there's something else that happened after the abortion that wasn't connected to the intention of the abortion, Mm -hmm. and that's material cooperation. And there are possible ways that material cooperation can be morally justified. And this isn't a teaching we invented to deal with vaccination. (laughs) Right, right. This is a teaching we've had for centuries. This is lock, stock, and barrel part of the Catholic moral tradition, and it's a very normal part of Catholic moral analysis to think in these nuanced terms. Because we live in a world marked by the effects of original sin, and you actually, it's pretty hard to like get up and cross the street without having some kind of extremely remote material cooperation with evil. So there's got to be a way to talk about how do we do this in a way that doesn't just freeze us in our tracks and render us unable to interact with the world. The church's tradition has that. We have a way to talk about this. And what I saw in some of the conversations about the vaccines is that rather than this tradition being used generously, Mm -hmm. it was sort of being shoehorned into like, well, okay, we have to talk. So like one of the ways that the mandates and religious exemptions question started out Mm -hmm. is by saying some vaccines are morally acceptable under certain circumstances. And it's like, well, yes, that's a technically accurate way to talk about the church's teaching here. (laughs) But it's certainly not the actual overall thrust of the teaching, right? And it's certainly not the way that the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith or Pope Francis or most of the world's bishops have been teaching this. They've been Mm -hmm. teaching vaccination is an act of love and that the very remote material cooperation with evil here, while we're certainly not going to celebrate it, It is not the thing that we should be primarily focused on when hundreds of thousands and millions of people are dying from this disease Mm -hmm. and it's now become preventable. We'll be back in a minute. As you say that, I keep thinking, yes, while we are to avoid evil, we're also supposed to do what is good. Right. And the evil here is so far removed, so to speak, that 
it cannot outweigh the good of receiving the vaccine. Well, and that's the other thing that I saw missing from these conversations mm-hmm. that concerned me even more than the lack of nuance in describing the kind of moral cooperation going on. Mm-hmm. And that's that none of these discussions, of, you know, back in March of which vaccines were more morally acceptable, and then more recently, the discussions about religious exemptions, none of these discussions, as far as I could tell, had the words common good in them, right? <laughs> none of these looked at the fact that one of the things that makes the pandemic a morally unique situation is that we're all responsible for each other's health in this. So getting vaccinated is not, I mean, whether or not you get the needle in your arm, yes, that part is specifically an individual decision. But the effect that has is shared by all of us. Because if I can catch it, if I'm more likely to catch COVID, then I'm also more likely to pass it along to someone else. And I'm also more likely to wind up in the hospital taking up a hospital bed. And we're seeing hospitals fall over from not having enough beds to actually be able to care for everyone, at which point you're not just affecting people getting sick from COVID, you're affecting people getting sick from anything. Heart attacks, needing their cancer treatment, all of those things. Yeah. I also think about Father, the fact that children, they don't have a vaccine yet for kids. Right. So I keep thinking about how vulnerable they are when we adults don't get our vaccine. And that sits hard for me because I'm like, at the same time, some people talk about abortion as a reason for not getting the vaccine because it killed a child from some time ago without at all thinking about the children right now who could get COVID and die. And thinking about that, I'm like, okay, we have completely jettisoned our neighbors living with us right now. Mm-hmm. We've completely also jettisoned the poor for those people who have difficulty getting to places to get vaccinated. And then that goes into playing around when when we start looking at saying, you know, holding our nose up about, mm, you got a Johnson & Johnson, how dare you? When sometimes for the poor, it's more reasonable for them, it's more realistic for them to go someplace once that it was difficult for them to get to, to get that one shot. Because yeah. the chances of them getting back for the second shot, given their circumstances, make it much more difficult. And therefore, to say to them, or to these Catholics that are in these situations that they're wrong for getting a Johnson & Johnson, again, looks at, doesn't use any nuance or context of people's lives and looking at how things are done. Plus, they've already said all of the vaccines for COVID are okay, although not perfect. Yeah. And I think you're exactly right about that. And that I think that is where what leads me to be the most concerned about is what's going on here, is the way that church teaching is being used and the way that church leaders are speaking. Is it serving the culture war or is it serving the common good? Mm. Is when we get into these places where someone is saying something that is technically true as a matter of Catholic theology, right? And I want to be clear about that. The bishops whose interventions here around the Johnson & Johnson vaccine or around religious exemptions that I'm critiquing, they haven't said anything untrue. No one is telling lies here, right? But what they're doing is they're focusing on a very narrow slice of the Catholic tradition, a very narrow slice of Catholic moral analysis of this challenge, of this situation that we're living through, and then allowing that to be magnified as if it's the whole story. So that when someone says, well, what about the vaccines? 
that the first thing they're going to hear from the church is, oh my gosh, these vaccines have a connection to abortion. Instead of what we want people to hear, the first thing they should hear from the church is, these vaccines are an act of love, as Pope Francis has said over and over and over again. These vaccines are an act of love. They are the best way available to protect both yourself and people who are more vulnerable than you might be. Mm -hmm. And they're morally acceptable. And then, like, maybe around, like, you know, item four on the list of things to hear about the vaccines. And although morally acceptable, they're not morally perfect. Mm -hmm. And we can explain more about that if you need to know. Right. Right. That's kind of how I would want the church to talk about it. Mm -hmm. But instead, what we're getting is this way of talking about it that leads with, oh, my gosh, these vaccines have something to do with abortion. Be afraid. Right. And I think it orients our thinking in the wrong way about a vaccines, right? And it distorts, right? I think that's one of exactly. the points you're saying is it distorts. It doesn't give the whole, it, it's a truth, it's a slice of it, but it doesn't give the whole truth. And in not giving the whole truth is where I think we end up in these situations where people are seeing the vaccine as a moral evil, an evil imposition on them and asking them to violate their conscience, hence people asking for these religious exemptions. And as someone that really champions religious liberty, I can say personally, I think it's dangerous because as I think about our latest religious liberty cases in front of the Supreme Court and how we talked about things in the public, we've said, don't compel us to do something evil, something that violates our understanding of our faith. Here, according to legitimate authorities in the church and by moral reasoning, these vaccines are acceptable. So for us to go out and start to say we need a religious exemption, in there somewhere buried is the notion that a vaccine is A, evil, Mm -hmm. and that B, it's against our religion, and that C, that getting one actually violates our liberty, our freedom. And then, let me say this, I also think that thinking also reduces our freedom to the ability to do what we want. Freedom, rightly understood, is the ability to do what is good. And so all of this, to me, is all tangled up and messed up in our conception of what is beautiful, good, and true, and what acts of love are. And I'm like, oh, can we please help recover a real Catholic perspective on this? So I'm grateful that the church, most of the church, has spoken very, very clearly about the fact that these vaccines are morally acceptable. We don't have a reason that we have to stop and not get these vaccines. Mm-hmm. But we should also say, and this is one of the places the the whole exemption question comes up when there are vaccine mandates, is that everyone does have to make the decision about this in their individual conscience. And it is possible for individual conscience to differ from what the church teaches officially. And the usual, one of the ways that can happen is because conscience is poorly informed or misinformed. And we certainly see a lot of that going on around when we look at the way vaccines are getting discussed on social media and the way they become sort of a topic of partisan division. I think there's a lot of malformation of conscience going on there. But even so there, certainly the church also teaches with respect to, you know, freedom of conscience that we shouldn't be coercing someone against their own conscience. Now, that's different than saying religious liberty, because your own conscience is not exactly the same as what's a religious requirement, what Mm -hmm. does the church require you to do. But the second thing there is when the CDF at least talked about this, they said, look, if your conscience is so outraged at the very extremely remote connection to abortion in Mm -hmm. these vaccines, 
then, yeah, if you're not going to get vaccinated, then you have other duties in the common good. You have duties to protect yourself in every other way possible by more extreme distancing, by being more careful about masking so that you don't expose those who are most vulnerable, who can only be effectively protected by the vaccines. Then you've got to do everything else possible you can if your conscience is going to stop you from getting the vaccine. We also yes. haven't seen <laughs> that message True. when people talk about religious exemptions from a Catholic perspective, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. We are cannot divorce ourselves from the human relationships. Exactly. And that's what in hearing, you know, about, I'm not trying to say that it's all people's intentions, but I can't help but to think, you know, I'm not obligated to do anything. Um, yeah, you are. If you right. choose not to get vaccinated, you still, for love of neighbor, need to follow all the other precautions put in place, social distancing, masks. And if there's another mandate that we are locked down, you follow the protocols there. And that also came into play when there were no longer the public celebrations of the mass. Mm-hmm. People mistook that to mean that there was no mass at all. And I'm like, wait a minute, there's still a mass. It's just the mode of participation of the lay people was different. Yep. So it was a big misrepresentation that these bishops are bowing to the state and arguments that bishops should have no care for the physical body. We only to care for the spiritual. I'm like, well, why we got these uh, corporal works of mercy? Comfort the sick, clothe the naked. So I mean, it just, these things that were jettisoning the fullness of our Catholic thinking really troubled me. And I was like, how are all these people like, we'll condemn, right? You hear people condemn folks who don't see an issue with abortion. They'll call them cafeteria Catholics, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, but aren't we being cafeteria Catholics when we jettison the fullness of our teaching in favor of some political talking point aligned with the political party? I was like, we got to do better. Yeah. No, I think you say that beautifully. And the reality is when we, certainly I think about this as a priest, you know, as somebody who, who is charged with preaching and teaching the faith. And there's so many ways to teach the faith. This certainly isn't exclusively the duty of the clergy. Mm -hmm. But when we encounter one of these situations where the richness of the tradition is being compressed down and you're Mm -hmm. getting a partial slice of the truth, and especially when that's then being used to divide and Mm -hmm. to cause argument and dissension, Mm -hmm. those are exactly the places where we ought to welcome the opportunity to help form consciences better. To say, oh, like, no, I'm sorry that you seem stuck in this place where all the answers look bad. But in fact, the church offers a way out. There are better ways to think about this. There are richer ways to think about this that let us honor both our own consciences, that let us honor our convictions about the dignity of human life from the very beginnings of conception, and that also let us honor the common good and our duties to our vulnerable brothers and sisters who are out there at risk from COVID. We can honor all those things together. The church can help us do this. Let's talk about how. Instead of picking whatever the division is and saying, lean real hard into that division and have a fight about it. We miss the beauty. We miss the beauty. And what we've made it is about what is the least thing I can do? What am I morally obligated to do? Like, what is the least I have to do to love my neighbor <laughs> instead of, which is, which is like, what, what spouse, if you're married to someone, you know, would be pleased if you found out your spouse is like, what is the least thing I can do to honor my marriage vows? Right. What am, <laughs> you, you'd be like, why, why are you so stingy? There should be a generosity of spirit here, generosity of heart here, an impulse toward love. 
you know, and that was one thing for me from the very beginning of the pandemic. I kept thinking about literally my neighbor, the elderly person mm-hmm. next to me, people who are HIV positive that getting this would create horrible things for them. The persons who are poor, because believe me, once you've been in the ICU and you might've survived, you get that ICU bill, you're ready to lay in the grave after that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you get a $75,000 bill yeah. for your time in the ICU. They don't think about, people don't think about these kinds of real world impacts to our neighbors. And I think we have to. And then I ask, well, what is being asked of me? Or better yet, what can I do to love these neighbors? Right. Oh, you wear a mask. Oh, wash my hands. Oh, socially distance. Oh, I mean, I have to lock down for a little bit. Or now I can get a vaccine. Okay. I don't yeah. know why I'm like, okay, okay. And maybe some people say she's a simpleton. But I would say, let me be a simpleton and love like Christ loved simply then. <laughs> you know? But I did go through and think about these things. And each time I landed on the good of the other. Yep. No, and I think that's exactly where the great weight of church teaching would lead us in precisely that direction, right? Mm. It would say to us, if a moral concern is leading you to have to refuse the good of the other, then first, you've probably misunderstood something. So Mm. let's go back and think through this very, very carefully. Mm -hmm. And secondly, well, what can you do for the good of the other if you can't do the thing that seems most obvious? Right. One of the things I said when I was writing about this is it seems to me like the notion of conscience that's being elevated through these arguments over vaccine mandates, especially, and religious exemptions, is this very individualistic and even libertarian notion of conscience. Yes. Right? It's like, what can I be forced to do? What can I be required to do? And what am I allowed to say no to? And it's like, yeah, okay, that's a part of conscience, right? But it certainly isn't the totality of conscience because the totality of conscience, conscience, the catechism says, is the voice of God sounding in our souls, Yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And the conscience in its fullness calls us, as you've said, to look at our neighbor, to look at love of the other, to say, what can I do to help these people? And Mm -hmm. if we're not doing that, or especially when church teaching is being used to say, no, you can't ask that question this way. You have to just deal with whatever the culture war issue is. Yeah, That's not the fullness of church teaching. It's being cut down to size. And let me add this, because I can already hear people acting as if when we say help people, we're saying help people to do something that is good, beautiful, and true. We're not saying help people do something that is evil or contrary to truth or contrary to what it is, what it means to be a human person. I I want people to understand that. Mm -hmm. But what we are looking at here is how can I help that person in a way that is good according to our understanding as Catholics? And certainly it is good to try to help them avoid a potentially lethal virus. It is good. I can't, find any argument against that. Now, if, like you said, people do have some interior whatever where they just can't, they have a problem with the vaccine, they still are not free from loving their neighbor in those other ways to keep them safe. Exactly. So there's still some something that we should be doing. We aren't just completely islands unto ourselves, you know, detached from every other member of the human family. That's just not how our beliefs work. 
And the more and more that I think about that, how connected we are, how much we are, we have a common ancestor in God, how much we are a part of the human family, and really what can we do to strengthen those bonds which sin has weakened or in some cases tried to completely obliterate. Mm -hmm. Certainly for me, doing all of those things with the vaccines and the social distancing doesn't to me, seem like a great imposition on my freedom because I understand freedom as the ability to do what is good. And everything here that has been laid out as a way to keep somebody else safe falls into the category of goodness, in my opinion. So I, I'm hoping people listening who are even, you know, uh, skeptical about whether or not the vaccine works, you know, will at least do those other things that we know do work for slowing or reducing or eliminating the spread of the virus. Yeah. And it is both a good in defense of human life directly, because Mm -hmm. we're helping people not get sick. And hopefully then there will be fewer people who wind up in the hospital, fewer people who wind up on ventilators, fewer people who wind up dying from COVID. Mm -hmm. But it's also part of the broader good of gradually moving us back towards a normal, back towards mm-hmm. the situation where we can actually see each other in person more freely, back towards yes. the situation where people can go to work more freely and aren't in economic dire straits. And yeah. all those things involve us cooperating to protect each other. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> and, that. <laughs> and that's what the freedom is actually for. Yes, 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 and yes. I um had had just had to deal with so much me, 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 kind of thinking. And I'm like, no, what are you talking about? That's not how we approach it. There's a common good, and that's important for all of us to live together and to think about that. I I think the the thing I just wrap up with, and and we've talked about it already, but I think it's it's good to kind of package down into one sentence, I hope, for people, that when you hear discussions of Catholicism and the morality of vaccines, Mm -hmm. the phrase to listen for is the common good. And if you're not hearing the common good somewhere in there, then someone is giving you a version of the teaching cut down to size. Mm. And it's probably not the real broad, deep, rich version of the Catholic tradition that you deserve. So listen for the words, the common good. Ask yourself, what is my duty to my neighbor in love? And that's Mm. what has to guide our response to the whole pandemic and to the question of vaccination. Amen. Beautifully said. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, And I hope this helps people orient, or I hope this helps orient people to the issue and authentic Catholic thinking on it. Father Sam, gosh, this was great. I enjoyed speaking with you. I look forward to speaking with you again and also look forward to reading anything else you write for America. And we'll be sharing the links to your articles on this in the podcast notes. So thank you so much for joining me. Well, thanks, Gloria. I had a great time and I look forward to having a conversation again real soon. Same. I'm so glad you're tuning into the Gloria Purvis podcast and journeying with me through these important and sometimes challenging conversations. I'm trying to do my part to speak about these issues openly and faithfully. And you have a part in that too. If you're getting informed and inspired by our conversations, then other people probably will too. So please share an episode with a friend or family member. Help me get the good word out there to the parishes and schools and communities, basically wherever you are. And be sure to subscribe to the Gloria Purvis podcast on your podcast app. And please 
Leave us a review if you can. I would love to hear from you. Oh, and by the way, you can follow me on Twitter at Gloria underscore Purvis and on Instagram at I am Gloria Purvis. The Gloria Purvis podcast is a production of America Media. It's produced by Sebastian Gomes and engineered by Frank Tucson. You can learn more about America Media at americamagazine.org. We'll see you next time.